HBCU Pulse Radio on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show once a day. We have a big time interview continuing with the Tennessee State University swag. We have Mr. Tennessee State University 2021-2022, Mark T. Davis Jr. We talked about a lot of amazing things as he is featured in the new book, The HBCU Experience, The HBCU Royal University Kings Second Edition, which is available now on Amazon. But listen, we got a lot to talk about before we get to Mark T. Davis. We got a lot to talk about and a lot to cover in our front page report. Get up on what's trending. Get up! You're listening to the front page report on HBCU Pulse Radio. All right, to start off our front page report, we have some concerning news to talk about and bring to light. So there's a new bill that's been introduced in the Mississippi State Legislature that may lead to the closure of three universities in the state by 2028. So Senate Bill 2726 requires that the state institutions of higher learning shut down three of the public universities in the state by June 2028. Now, according to the proposal, the state institutions of higher learning must select three schools for closure actually by next year, June 2025. And the bill was introduced by Republican State Senator John Polk. Now, all of the public state institutions in Mississippi were mentioned in this bill, but we want to put a special focus on Alcorn State, Jackson State, and Mississippi Valley State because they are three HBCUs that are also a part of the Mississippi Institutes of Higher Learning and could be affected by this bill. While this bill doesn't explicitly state that they're going to close Alcorn or Jackson State or Mississippi Valley, they could be either one of, of the schools that's selected to be closed down, two of them, or all three. Now, per the language in the bill, they can't just randomly choose Jackson State, Alcorn, or Mississippi Valley to close down just for no reason. They have to factor in enrollment data, degrees offered, economic impact, and any other roles that the institution serves in the state and the citizens of the state and the cities in which the institutions reside, like providing medical, agriculture, or engineering service, and that's how they'll ultimately decide on those closures. And also, based on the bill, which is not passed yet, there also will be a required listening session on the campuses of each institution before the decision is announced and if the bill is passed, the act would take place on July the 1st. 2024 and thereafter they would then choose the institutions that are going to be closed by 2028 in june 2025 and then in june 2028 things would transpire the way they transpire based on what the bill is saying so it's very puzzling that this bill has come about i don't know what senator polk in mississippi is trying to do because we should be trying to expand education access and not close down institutions or universities but that's that and we'll certainly keep you updated on what is going on because that's wild honestly but 
Let's talk about some actually some more positive, lighter news to shift the tone. So there is a young lady from Alabama State University that is going to be featured in season 22 of American Idol. Her name is Justice Murphy. Now, if you didn't know, American Idol actually did auditions at Tuskegee University around the start of October this season, they decided to go to the hometowns of the different judges. You have Luke Bryan, you have Katy Perry, and you have the legendary Tuskegee University alumnus, Lionel Richie. So Lionel Richie, they came down to Tuskegee, Alabama, and of course, Lionel Richie being the proud Tuskegee University alumni that he is, of course, they held the auditions on the campus of Tuskegee University. Now, Justice Murphy, she popped up. She came down from Alabama State, which is the rival school. And I want to play a little bit of what went down during her time auditioning at Tuskegee for American Idol. We're going to start here. We're going to start with her walking in. She's confident. The judges love her confidence. And of course, if you listen to the podcast, I'm going to paint the picture for you. She has on a nice denim outfit, like the hair is lay, makeup all together. She looks like a star. She looks like your next American Idol making it happen, representing for all of the HBCUs. And she says that she is a student at Alabama State University. Go Hornets. And Katy Perry says something very interesting. What's your name? My name is Justice Murphy. I'm 21 years old. I'm from Forest City, Arkansas, and I'm a student at Alabama State. Go Hornets! Roll Tide! Now, did Katy Perry say Roll Tide when Justice said she's a student at Alabama State and literally said Go Hornets? Miss Katy Perry. And I love Katy Perry. Katy Perry's amazing. But Katy Perry, Alabama and Alabama State are two totally different schools. Both of them great in their own right. Alabama, I'm, I'm a Georgia guy, but Alabama, Alabama's cool too. Alabama State is Alabama State. Alabama is Alabama. But we got past that, all right? And, of course, Lionel Richie, being the HBC alum that he is, definitely, you know, gave some knowledge to Katy Perry at the end. But you had Justice that was actually singing Summertime that Fantasia actually performed 20 years ago when she was on American Idol and that song was actually originally performed by Ella Fitzgerald, and you had Louis Armstrong on the trumpet making things happen. Fantasia actually recorded that song for her debut album. So this is almost full circle. 20 years after Fantasia made her mark on American Idol, you had Justice that came and sang the exact same song. And when I tell you, Justice sounded phenomenal. Now, listen, there was no one that could have told me 
that justice was going to get a no. Like, like even the, ju the judges did a standing ovation because justice ate it up. She did her thing. So, of course, Katy Perry gave her judging and she talked about how she enjoyed it. She gave some some nice constructive criticism about jazz hands, like using the hands too much. You had Luke Bryan that said he loved it. Lionel Richie gave his piece on it. And then ultimately the decision was rendered. And of course, as you already know, it was a foregone conclusion that she was going to make it. Uh, Luke, what's your vote? Well, Fantasia 20 years ago, right? That's crazy. I am a big time yes, like 10 yeses from me. Katie, what are you thinking? I, well, it's not hotty toddy. It's not, is it Roll Tide? Oh, not Alabama oh, not State. Alabama well, which State. one is Alabama? Alabama. It's All right, go Hornets, go Justice, you're a yes. Boom, that's right. And let me just tell you something right now, as far as I'm concerned, it's a yes for me. One, two, three. You're, you're going, going to Hollywood. So, as we can see here, Justice Murphy is heading to Hollywood to be on the next round of American Idol, which we're going to probably see in the next month or so, because there's a four-part audition. She was on episode two. So we have episode three coming out really soon. Episode four is going to be in mid-March. And then we're going to get into what's going on with that Hollywood around. But listen, we are locked in. And the HBCU community, we have to make sure that we support justice in her journey on American Idol. For right now, we're just going to watch. We're just going to tweet about it. We're just going to share it to make sure she gets the love and support and the fans that she deserves as an HBCU student at Alabama State making it happen. But then if and when she does get to that round, we got we to vote. We're going to make sure that we vote. And I'm going to make sure on HBCU Pulse and also here on HBCU Pulse Radio, we keep you updated because this is amazing. All right, so that's the front page report for today. Coming up next, I talked to 2021, 2022, Mr. Tennessee State University, Mark T. Davis, who is featured in the new book, The HBCU Experience, The HBCU Rural University Kings, second edition, which is available now on Amazon. You're listening to the HBCU Pulse Radio. HBCUs are more than a trend. Yeah. We're forever a part of the culture. HBCU Pulse always has you on lock. From the shade room to your favorite news feed. And now, on your TV and radio. We are, are, the, are, are the number one outlet for HBCU culture. Follow, Follow. HBCU Pulse on social media. And visit HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. All right, welcome back to HBCU Pulse Radio. Now, recently I had the opportunity to speak with 2021-2022 Mr. Tennessee State University, Mark T. Davis Jr. He's a part of the book, The HBCU Experience, The HBCU Royal University Kings, second edition, available now on Amazon. And when I tell you Mark has an amazing story of his rise to the role of Mr. Tennessee State University, and he also talked about what was going on with the students that were in college during COVID that I think that just for retrospect, it's only been four years ago, 
And we really need to sit down and talk about that moment and hear about it from the point of view of a student that was going through it at that time. So if you're listening on HBCU Post Radio on Sirius XM, you're going to hear a snippet of the interview. So if you're listening on the podcast, you're going to hear the full interview. If you're listening on the radio, make sure to tap in with HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, so you don't miss this amazing interview with this amazing king, all right? So here's my interview with Mark T. Davis, Mr. Tennessee State University, 2021-2022, in promotion of the book, The HBCU Experience, The HBCU Royal University Kings, second edition. So tell us a little bit of who you are. All right, so I am Mark Timothy Davis Jr., almost a two-time graduate of Tennessee State University. I graduated in May of 2022 with my bachelor's in communications, um, hailing all the way from the Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio, where the kings and queens wear the crowns, but the crowns do not wear us. And yeah, you know, I'm blessed to be here, blessed to be a co-author of this book, and yeah, I'm very excited. I love it. So listen, like, communications major... I'm a communications major graduate, so I feel you. We here with it because we got to stick together because folks be playing with, with our major and our degree, so we have a real good conversation. So let's start with this. What made you choose Tennessee State as your HBCU? So originally, I did not want to go. Every My sister went there, so my family's like, you're going here. It was four hours away from home. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go. But I told them, I'm like, we can make a compromise, so I went on the tour, and Immediately, what stood different from every other HBCU I toured, TSU was, you know, it was a group of guys that were near the Greek row, and they were like, you know, come holler at us, and they just talked to our whole group, and they were saying, like, you know, here at TSU, we don't want kings and, you know, queens walking around with do-rags, bonnets, sagging, and I'm like, it just touched me in such a long way, and I'm like, okay, I called my parents, like, I want to come to TSU. They're like, that's all you had to tell us, so... Seeing that and seeing how many black men were dressed up in suits and really about pointing to the youth, it just really, I was like, I'm so. I love it. So did you tour any other schools? Were there any other schools that were on your list before Tennessee State? Um, my second option was Tuskegee. I, I don't know what it was, like what was, you know, it was so selling to me. But when we went there, the tour, it was just, I remember they was like, T-U, and everybody was screaming, you know, I just remember it. Everything we went to um, Dillard, Xavier, we visited Clark, Atlanta, Morehouse, Spelman, but it was TSU and Tuskegee. So those are my top two. And my family, like, we're not, you know, nine and a half hours away from home. That's not happening. So TSU is where it was. So you talk about how you had like the upperclassmen, you know, they, like, they, they came and talked to you all about not wearing do-rags, presenting yourself the right way. Like what about that interaction really made you say, this is my school? Like, like what was it about that it made that interaction special? It just seemed like something that I would watch in film or movies actually happens in real life. So it's when I saw them saying, I'm like, oh my God, this is stuff I hear on the quad when it used to be on BT. And I'm like, and I'm actually seeing this in my real life, I'm like, this is real. It's not for it's not for the media. It's not for TV. This is actually something that, you know, we actually want to pour into. And when I was in high school, I always did student leadership. So it just meant to me as a young student leader, I'm like, oh, my God, it means so much to me seeing Black men talking about, you know, how we're going to change the stereotype that the world puts on us. And I remember they told me, you know, all your life, you're going to be a minority. But here, you're four years, you're a majority. And as soon as they told me that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the place. This is home. 
hey, listen, that that's the HBCU student leadership right there. Like, that's how we do it. Get the folks in there, let them know what's going on, and it changes the whole entire tone. So yep. let's talk about that freshman year. So you chose Tennessee State. You had that amazing interaction when you visited the campus. So what was freshman year like for you? My first week, I cried. I'm not going to lie. I cried in my dorm. My parents was like, oh, this man, we're, he's not going to make it through next semester. Like, they just knew in their hearts I was going to go home after first semester. But I just had to find something that was familiar to me from high school. And immediately I joined Pep Club. And that was something that was so familiar to me. And that's where, from there, it was done. And it was a done deal. I got out my room. I met people who I could, you know, familiarize myself with. I met families. I joined my first um organization on campus and from then it was i was like oh i'm never coming back home so my freshman year i feel like if i would have stayed in that room i would have went home but since i got out and just took a you know a gamble did it scare you know it set the trajectory for the rest of my collegiate experience at tsu i love that like i think it's interesting when it comes to freshman year like that moment we had dropped off and that first moment that you're, you're by yourself like i never forget um, I, when I was at Fort Valley and it was my, my, my first, you know, my, my move in day and my aunt, you know, started crying and I was low key holding back tears. I'm like, what the world? I wasn't expecting that because it's such a big step to go to college. That's, that's like the introduction into adulthood. So like yeah. what what made you stay in your room and cry for the, for that week? Like what what made that was it? Were you nervous about the experience? Were you homesick? Do you miss your family? Like what what made you stay in your room and, and cry for that week? I felt alone, like there was nobody from my group of friends from high school. Some were supposed to come to Tennessee State, but they all ventured out their own way. So it was like, okay, I have nobody here that I know that, you know, if I need to call right now, like, let's go to the pep rally together. I have nobody here. So I felt alone. I felt like I had to start all over and it felt so scary, but you know, I was just like, okay, cool. You come to college this is a place where you can create whoever you want to be. So I just went out and I literally just was myself. And from there it was said and done. I just was like, you know, in high school, you go through your phases where you're trying to learn who you are. I'm like, okay, I'm coming to college and I know who I am. So I'm just going to be who I am. And it just made me step out my shell more. So I'm definitely glad I cried looking now at it. I cannot believe this young man in the room crying his freshman year became Mr. Tennessee State University. Like, it's crazy because it makes no sense. But, you know, God did, literally. Right. So what do you have any advice for, like, freshmen that feel that same way? Because I know that every freshman isn't just lit during orientation week, where it's like, oh, I'm out, I'm networking with my peers, I'm going to different events on campus. There are some students that feel the same way. They're going to feel that same way come August. So do you have any advice for those students coming into college to help them enjoy the experience more? Um, I would say my advice is to find something that is familiar to you. Me, it was pep club. In high school, I did it. So immediately when I saw it at a collegiate experience, I'm like, oh, my God, this is something that feels like home. And right there, that's where I started to gain more friends. I had a reason to come out. People be like, Mark, come here with us or, you know, let's go to the cabs together. So right there, I found something that was familiar to me and they gave me all the confidence at football games and yelling and screaming. And that's when I started to learn, you know, who people were. And they're like, 
who is this freshman that got so much energy? So, you know, I would say find something that's familiar to you, find something that's home so you can get comfortable. And then, you know, like in college, you leave home and you have to be on your own. So Pep Club gave me my home, but they built me the confidence to, you know, venture out and do more at TSU. I love that. Like, that was a, an amazing freshman story. I hope that's in the book. Like, that was good. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about sophomore year. So freshman year, you had a transformative experience. So sophomore year, what's sophomore year like for you? Sophomore year was a lot. It was super duper fun. I remember since I was Mr. Sophomore at the time. So, you know, it was my first year at a collegiate level student government. It was amazing, you know, being a mister of my class, just learning really how a student leader is at a college experience. So it was so fun. I remember we went to the Kings and Queens conference in New Orleans, all the, the battle of the bands we went to, every game we went to. It was so fun, but I knew sophomore year was the year that I had to, okay, you know, forget all the student leadership. What do you want to do at TSU? So I was already in a modeling troupe named the Laura Modeling Troupe, and then I joined Collegiate 100, and I'm like, okay, I have a family with the Lord. Now I have brothers with Collegiate. You know, now I'm good. You know, I, I feel comfortable. I feel safe. You know, let's, you know, enjoy sophomore year with what we have. So I just was active in both those organizations, and then COVID came. So when COVID came, spring semester, you know, they told us, okay, we're not going to send y'all home. We're just going to, you know, quarantine and then it just started ramping up and we was like, yeah, y'all gotta go. So after that point, you know, sophomore year in my ass was over, but I didn't know over the summer, I will still be able to virtually be Mr. Sophomore and being a communication major, I felt like that was right on my avenue and it was still comfortable to me. That's real. So I think that's a very amazing point you brought up. And I think that we gotta talk about this. I wanna ask you this, right? So. One thing I always say is that there's a clear difference between before COVID and after COVID. I think that we still have not gotten back to what to yeah. what life was before March 2020 because that 2019 homecoming was different than than last year's homecoming. It, was, it just it felt different. So just for you being in school, you were Mr. Sophomore and you go into your junior year and it's the the COVID era. Like what was different? Not even just like it being virtual and all these different things in the mask. Like what was different from your freshman year to your sophomore year, your junior year in regards to how COVID affected your experience? I would say spirit. It seemed like what was the, you know, a tradition, the tradition left. It was those seniors when I was a sophomore that they left and the people who came in, they couldn't share the tradition with the freshmen because we couldn't really be in person. So I feel like the tradition and the family aspect just slowly started to drift away. And then, you know, we will all still be on campus a little social distance. You can do this and that, but it just never felt like, how it used to and like we would kind of say like this is you know a different TSU this is not the old TSU and people would be like what do you mean by that and I'm like simply it's just I can't explain it's just like a feeling that you have it's like oh my god I'm with family it's like a family reunion but now it seems like nobody everybody's scared like people are shyer um I definitely think COVID had you know a lot of to do with people's social skills they're, you know, we used to communicating over camera. Now you're in person and now it's kind of like, okay, how do I do this again? So it was very, very odd. It was weird, but it was very uncomfortable. That's the, a good word to put it. So 
in that same regard, how was student leadership? Because I, I think I've, you know, I've heard that because I graduated 2019 right before COVID, which is sort of wild to think about. Like the semester before COVID, I, gradu- I graduated. And I heard from a lot of student leaders around the nation at that time, that it was hard to instill that tradition because of that separation. Like you said, because of being on camera and not being able to interact with each other face-to-face, up close and personal because of, of COVID. So as a student leader, how did you navigate that and manage that? So at the time, I, as soon as my junior year, I became president of our modeling troop. And I knew, I'm like, okay, cool. How can I make COVID work within us? And immediately using my degree, I'm like, we have to, you know, boost up our YouTube channel. So um, the same people I worked with when I made videos as Mr. Sophomore, I worked with them when I was president. And I'm like, okay, let's, you know, create a, social footprint so when we move out of this year of COVID, this still will last years down the line my goal was okay cool i want to have a thousand views on this video by the time a year from now and that goal was achieved and i think those little ideas that were so small then made so much change now those are the reason that the organization still thriving and still alive because the decisions that people made during COVID. I think a lot of people let the pandemic kind of shut them down or, you know, and I think it's proved, you know, who can knock down any obstacle that comes in their way. And, you know, I just made lemons out of lemonade when I'm like, okay, you know, COVID, I can't do it in person. Okay, somebody got a video, somebody got a camera, somebody got a drone, somebody got an idea. Let's put it on paper and let's make it happen. I like that. So, you really, really brilliantly broke down your junior year because you had to do with COVID. You became the president of your modeling troop. What was the rest of junior year like for you? Um, The rest of junior year, it was very quiet. And, you know, I was like, okay, let me be strategic about it. Let me just sit in the back so nobody sees me coming. Like, so I was just, you know, in the back building and preparing and preparing. In September, I already knew what campaign I wanted to do. So, you know, I'm just making sure that, you know, I'm keeping my grades together so I can't run and nothing can stop me. I'm making sure, you know, I'm staying, you know, around social with people, not doing it just to get the votes, just because, I mean, I don't want to stay in my room. So, you know, I was making sure I was still active in my organizations. I was enjoying what I could with what we had. And, you know, when it became that time to prepare to run, that's when I started to kind of Okay, let me pop out. I remember I grew my hair out because it was, I'm like, the barbershops are closed. Let me just grow my hair out. And immediately I cut my hair and people was like, oh, you cut your hair. I'm like, what you what you mean by that? They're like, you you got something coming. I'm like, you just have to wait and see. It's like, I cut my hair all, out with the old and in with the new end. Yeah, it was, it was time to go. I love that. So let's talk about your campaign. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm on your Instagram right now. I'm like, now I'm trying to find these campaign graphics all right I so like, of, i can't laugh but like after i graduated i'm like okay you know let me just let me you know become a new person i'm not the student anymore so let me try to change it up let me look like a professional but people always tell me like you need to make a highlight and just keep all your things there so i'm really gonna do that <laughs> you should because folks look at that you have the student leaders that that come up when it's election yeah. time, they want to see at Tennessee State what worked. It might be supposed to have Fort Valley or FAMU that want to see, hey, what other King campaigns worked within right. this time frame back in the day. So, you know, you got to put that back up. What's like, come yeah. on. You got a fire <laughs> campaign. You got to tell us about your campaign. Like, tell us about it. So my campaign was Blue is King, and I took it from Beyonce's Black is King. But 
Blue stood for building legacies upon existence. And I just remember when I saw the film, you know, I saw it in July when it came out and it never, it's never meant like, oh, I can make this out of a campaign until I seen some people doing it. I'm like, cool, but everybody did black. Everybody kept black is king, black is king. And one day I'm coming from a trip and I'm thinking in my mind, what acronym could I come up with blue? And why blue? Blue, of course, TSU. And then the words just came to himself. So immediately I start thinking, okay, I need to do a campaign video. And I remember in Beyonce, when she dropped the trailer, it was something coming from space and it crashed to earth. And in my campaign video, I was coming from space and, and my modeling name um, is Asteroids. So I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So immediately I come to, I come to earth and I started at TSU and I just had a lot of things around me. I had a pom-pom representing pep club. I had my modeling attire representing modeling. And then I had my collegiate apparel representing collegiate. And I'm like, this is a journey. And I remember I had a crown and I touched it and it glimpsed at what I'm going towards. So, you know, I just thought, okay, what would Beyonce do? Literally. I'm like, she's a creative genius. You know, she's a perfectionist. So I just kept going and going and going. I thought everything. I did an event called Brown Skin Girl, because why not? That song came from Black is King, so I, I have no option but to do it. And it was creating the queens of my campus. Like, yes, I'm still running to be king, but, you know, the campus is not just male. So, you know, I just literally thought, literally, if when Beyonce planned this, how would she plan it if she did it for a campaign? I, you know, marketed my graphics off of her graphics. She had a lion, I had a tiger. You know, she wore a leopard print, I wore a tiger print. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, I see everything you're doing and I'm gonna do the same thing. She did Black Parade, I did Black Parade. You know, I just really was intentional with everything I did because I knew it was virtual, hashtags, everything. I made the graphic look like a movie flyer because it was a movie. So, you know, I felt like I had to be very intentional. And again, I used my degree. I'm like, I'm studying this, so I might as well use it to my advantage. I love that. And you said something key. You've been saying key things this whole entire interview. Like you did an event for the women on campus yep. because black men aren't, aren't, aren't the main population at any HBCU yep. except for Morehouse. Because yep. clearly, like the women are the main ones yep. that's going to be voted. Not to say the men don't, don't care. It's just that there are more women on campus. So you did brown skin girl. I'm pretty sure that 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 he ate that up. You know what I mean? So like when you won, how did that feel? You put in that work, you made it happen. You had this amazing journey to Tennessee State from your freshman year to that point. So how did it feel when you found out you won? It didn't feel real, honestly. But the the worst part about it, I'm like, okay, I won. All right, let's get to work. Like it's like, okay, next up is preparing for Mr. HBCU. Like that's how my mind kept going. People was like, are you proud? Are you proud? I'm like, I won't be proud until I'm done. And they're like, that, why are you thinking like that? I'm like, that's just how I am. It's just like, you know, I can be proud to win, but am I going to be proud of the work that I'm doing in the road to create a legacy after I'm gone? And I'm like, that's when I'll be proud if, you know, a year from now people can say, oh my God, I remember when you were king. But I remember like immediately when I won, it just, it was, I literally couldn't like imagine it. That, it said my name and I'm sitting here like, and people around me like, Mark, you knew you won. Like, you know, what made you, why were you so nervous? I'm like, I did not know I had it. Like, they're like, we literally, you knew you had it. And I'm like, I did. And I was very, you know, nervous. I'm like, oh my God, I don't, you know, I put my all in it. So I'm like, 
I'm gonna, you know, prepare that the option that I cannot come out on top. So when they said my name, I remember I touched the person next to me. I don't even know who it was. And I'm like, oh my God, they just said my name. And it was just, it was just surreal, literally. Felt like so I was I got, in- Listen, I, I gotta ask this, right? Because I hear that often when it comes to candidates that clearly are front runners. Like you clearly are the person that people yeah. are going to vote for. So y'all really be like, I don't know if I'm going to win. Y'all really think that for real? I well, I, I know some people probably think, oh, no, I got this in the bag. You know, this mine. You know, I've been working for this. But me, I, I didn't. You know, I'm like, I don't know what people. I spent my whole junior year kind of quiet. My other competitors probably spent their junior year, you know, working, going out, you know, being out with the uh, students. And I'm like, I was kind of quiet. And I'm like, did I not do enough as Mr. Sophomore so people can remember, you know, oh, he was a great king as Mr. Sophomore. He'll be an even better king as Mr. TSU. He was a great president. He'll be a great Mr. TSU. You know, I was like, did I do enough? So I was just very like, you know, I didn't want to be cocky like, oh, yeah, I know I got this. I'm like, you know, I'm going to make sure regardless of if I win or lose, this is something that people can say. This was the best King campaign I've ever seen in our 31 Kings at the time at TSU. And that's what I achieved throughout the week. And I remember um, old advisors would ask me, like, you know, how how do you feel? Like, you know, and be honest. You can let this is a moment. Let your humble down. I'm like, regardless, I'm happy of what I did. You know, I think what I did has never been done. And I'm proud of that. So I love that. I love that. So let's talk about senior year. Let's talk about the Mr. Tennessee State reign because you said that you were preparing for Mr. HBCU the moment you won mm-hmm. and you did your thing, Mr. HBCU. Now, like, we're going to talk about that in, in, in a second, but tell us about that summer. So, what was that summer like for you? Um, the summer, honestly, it was, it felt like an identity crisis. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. The whole summer I've been, the whole winter preparing to run for Mr. TSU. Now I'm in the role. Okay, how can, I'm no longer just, as people will say, you're no longer a normal student. You're kind of a celebrity at your university. So the summer, it was constant planning. It was like, I'm treating my reign as a campaign. You know, what is my reign's platform? What is my reign's events that I want to do? I remember my campaign manager told me, don't use this event during your campaign week. Use this event when you win. This is more of a rain event rather than a campaign event. So I thought really what I felt like the males on my university needed and the university in general. I remember people always tell us, you know, it doesn't go to the person who needs it. It goes to the, I mean, it doesn't go to the person who deserves it. It goes to the person that needs it. And coming to it, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, why do I need Mr. TSU? It's like, you know, I feel like my campus needs me as Mr. TSU, but being Mr. TSU taught me a lot about my mental health. So I felt like I needed that because if not, I would have never took taken it seriously and it eventually could have taken me out. So, Wow. And listen, whoever told you that about a campaign event versus a rain event, they the GOAT, okay? Because yeah. that is so true. And I've told people this before as well in my in my campaign consulting journey is like you got folks that be having like events like it's coronation week. No, it is yep. campaign week. Like you can't, they having a brunch. Meanwhile, people giving out snow cones on the courtyard. Like yep. you know what I'm saying? Like like folks gotta understand that. Like see that see that's how, that's what I'm talking about. Student leadership. You see what I'm talking about? See you doing it right. You see like that's I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So let's talk about 
during the year, all right? So you said that mental health was a big factor for you. And I think that's something we often don't talk about enough. We talk about it more. We talk about mental health more, but I think that sometimes we neglect it because we want to be on the scene. We want to be outside. So for you, how did you navigate and tackle mental health during your reign? So my best way to do it were church, of course. Like, I feel like, you know, those were just some days. Every day, you know, I would go to church. It would be some days where it just seemed like, okay, you know, God, you made me come here for a reason. And it would be a place where I could pour it out and lean on the spirit to guide me through. Um, on other days, you know, it was just the events I did. I remember I did uh, an event called Personal Foul, and I related a base, a basketball to a human's life and I related the durability. So, you know, if a basketball goes flat, we can go buy another one. If we throw a basketball and it goes into a lake and we don't get it, we can buy another one. But if, you know, we bru I'm 23, I bruised myself years and after year after year, I can't go swip out, swatch out my body for another person. I can't do that. So, you know, I had to really wrote right on the balls, the personal fouls I'm taking against myself, whether it's not grieving, not, you know, being a perfectionist, not giving myself grace. And anytime I would commit that foul, I would acknowledge it on the ball. So, you know, I just tried to give myself grace throughout the year, but I didn't do it anyway. So. <laughs> now, nah, trust, I totally understand that. Give yourself grace is hard because especially sure. when you're a perfectionist, you yes. want to do things the right way, you know? So trust me. I totally understand that more than you know, I'm telling you. So <laughs> the Mr. HBCU competition, all right? So you competed in the 18th edition of that competition in 2022, and you got first runner-up. And Tennessee State has that lineage. When it comes to the Hall of Fame, when it comes to Mr. Mr. HBCU, y'all dominated that competition in recent yeah. years. So let's talk about like that. So you were preparing for the competition from – when you won all the way back in like April of 2021, and then you make it happen when it comes to January 2022. So tell us about that process of getting prepared. So really, I knew, you know, I watched who I, my king and queen was. My queen placed first runner up at Miss NBCA. My king placed second runner up at Mr. HBCU. So it's like, okay, let me study what you all did and, you know, ask, you know, what is so important you know, what did y'all do that y'all, you know, knew was the way to go? They always told me oratory is what matters most. Oratory, oratory, oratory. It, it has the most points. You know, it, it tells the, the difference from the winner and the different placements of the court. So, you know, that was something I very, I took very seriously. Um, also, I, again, I be putting way too much, you know, stress on my shoulders my advisor at the time was my modeling troops founder. And then the last Mr. HBCU at Mr. At TSU was another founder of my modeling troops. So I'm like, okay, this is perfect. One founder is taking me to the competition and the last founder and the last person to win was my founder. So I'm like, I gotta win, I gotta win, I gotta win. So I'm just driving myself, driving myself, practicing more and more, even have my court help me. You know, I do my oratory in front of them, do my talent in front of them. Like, be explicit. Tell me if it sucks. If it does, be real with me. Tell me if it's not convincing. I did it in front of SGA, and they were like, we really think you can place if you do it like you're doing it now. But if you really, you know, grab the emotion, and I remember our topic was, you good, bro. They're like, Mark, you literally talk about mental health all the time. You know, tap into what is true to you, and there's no reason why you should not lead this competition with 
Mr. HBCU, the crown, and then some. So, you know, I just really had to give myself constructive criticism from people and allow people to nitpick at what I was doing. So the same thing they're telling me, I don't make those mistakes when it's showtime. So you said that when it came to your to the start of your reign, when you won Mr. Tennessee State, that you were like, I got to work. Like, I, I'm, I'm focused on what's next, right? So you get first runner-up. Now, we know that that isn't being Mr. HBCU, but being first runner-up, especially how Mr. HBCU changed it, you get, it's, it's a court. Like, you, you're still involved within that system. So when you got first runner-up, like, how did that feel? Like, were you vindicated? Were you excited? Like, how did it feel at that time? I actually was very happy. Like, I'm like, you know, I am very happy with this because I remember my advisor told me, like, I know you wanted to win, but I'm letting you know, TSU has not had a first runner up in six years. And I'm like, that's that means the most to me. I'm like, and then I remember the last Mr. HBCU at TSU, he reached out to me and was like, I am very proud of you. That was all the validation I needed. I'm like, I wanted to make those who came before me proud. So, and I remember my sister told me, she was straight with me. She was like, you know, I'm glad you lost. And I'm like, why? And she was like, because stress killed my uncle and I didn't want it to take my brother out too. And when she told me that, I'm like, you know what, you're right. Cause I know how I am and I'm glad she, you know, she told me that cause immediately when she said that, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense to me. And fast forward, post-grad depression, I couldn't have handled all that mental, the stress on myself and being Mr. HBCU. So like people always say, I may thought I deserved it, but I didn't need it because I wouldn't have been able to handle it. And, you know, I needed first runner up. I, that was that was great. God was like, you worked a lot for this. So, you know, I'm not going to have you win, but I'm going to have you place. So I was very happy with what I got. I was very happy to experience the whole conference again. I love Mr. HBCU, the second runner up. We caught ourselves hot and ready. Like, we we loved each other. Like, they're my brothers now. We Anytime we talk, it's always a good time. Love the conference, the staff there. And those, you know, being first runner up now, then it helped me build connections. Now I'm a member of the Mr. HBCU staff team. So it's, you know, everything happens for a reason, literally. It does. And I want to move to your post-grad journey because I think you said something interesting. And then we're going to talk about your chapter in the book, right? So the post-grad journey, I've gone through it. Uh, and I had to go through it during COVID because you know, I graduated fall 2019. Then I had a few months where I was cool. And then COVID happened, and then it was just a bunch of uncertainty, right? So yeah. for you, you graduate, you're at the apex of that HBCU student experience. You're Mr. Tennessee State. Tennessee State is an amazing top-of-the-line HBCU with a lot of press, a lot of attention, always posting on HBCU Pulse, HBCU Buzz, all these different places, right? So you're at the pinnacle of our, our, our genre, of the, the pinnacle yeah. of our community. And then you graduate, and oftentimes as student leaders, we're like, hey, I was at the top. Now, yeah. as an adult, I got to work my way up. Like, did you feel that same way? And how did you navigate immediately graduating? So immediately after I graduated, I went straight back to school. So after graduation, I became a graduate assistant in our residence life department. So I never left. And, you know, I think it's a pro and a con to that. The pro is, you know, I had a safe place. I had a journey. I had the connection still. But the con is, I feel like, you know, me trying to separate myself from being king was hard when I'm always reminded by the people like, Trey Uno, or, hey, king, this and that. Like, 
oh, you still here? Like, just hearing that constantly, it's like, okay, am I not doing what I was supposed to be doing? Should I went, should I went home? Like, it felt so odd. And I'm like, you know, the like you said, the level we're on, I just graduated. I took a picture with the vice president of the United States of America, and now I feel like I'm lost. I, the career I wanted, I'm not following. The job I wanted, I don't have. The funds I want, I don't have. The place I'm in, I'm not in. I was so angry at myself. I was angry at God. I'm like, we prayed about this and you gave me nothing. And, you know, it was an experience and a journey I really had to go through because, you know, I'm like, I wanted this, I wanted that, but I did not need any of that. The What I had then prepared me for the person I am now. And I'm like, God, I thank you. I was mad then, but I'm extremely appreciative now. I love it. Like you going in right now, like you, like we, we really talking about it. See, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about like talking to, you know, just folks modern day, like modern day Kings, because the experience now is different because yeah. we compare ourselves on social media and we see folks that we know getting married. I know that's my journey graduating in 2019, 2024, almost five years since I've graduated. And I see folks getting married. I see folks buy houses and I'm like, man, I should be at that point. Like, yeah, I got posts going, but I should be at that point. So I think that's something that's important when it comes to that post-grad journey. And before we talk about your chapter in the HBCU experience, the Royal University King's second edition, I want you to give advice to an upcoming graduate because it's the spring right now. You know, there's going to be some folks that, that's graduating, that's joining us on this alumni side in, in a few months, and they need to prepare and get ready. So what's your advice to them? So my advice to just graduates in general it is okay not to have a plan. Like it's okay to go home and plan there where you are comfortable and you're safe. Not, you know, it's not, I'd rather them plan at home where you have a community, then you just immediately jump somewhere and you're stuck. You're like, okay, I did this off, you know, impulse. And now I don't have enough money here to pay rent for the next three months. I can't, you know, get from point A to point Z. So it's okay to go home and take a break and decompress of all the four years of what you've been through and then take your break and plan. And then to the graduates who were student leaders, please, please immediately go into counseling because I think it's so bad for us because like you said, we all, we have this Hollywood experience of a senior year and now it's all gone. It's like, okay, they moved on right to the next. Like people in corporate jobs, you know, you're replaceable. Okay, immediately when the next mister is uh, announced, all right, you're 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 done for. You know, we're moving on to the next. So you have to be prepared that it's, you know, it's you'll always be remembered as whatever king you were, but it's, you know, it's okay to let it go and how to let it go and how to be proud of what you did. And I think those are the two advice I would give to graduates and student leaders that graduate. Listen, I know that your chapter got to have 100 pages, okay? You got to have some room, okay, to put all this all this advice in, all right? So I need you to tell us about your chapter in the book, The HBCU Experience, the HBCU Royal University King's second edition. You don't got to give us too much, but you really you know, gave us a lot here in your interview. So what do you talk about in your chapter? So my chapter, I, you know, kind of describe it as if somebody – close their eyes and you know the book was my chapter was read to them they would visualize everything i'm saying my chapter touches on a simile between a car and life so 
I'm talking about being on a road and I'm comparing, you know, everything with cars and obstacles to my life. So, you know, I feel like a lot of times I was ready to crash, you know, running straight forward, not worried about my mental health, not worried about my grades, not worried about what makes me happy. I was ready to crash. And, you know, I had to realize that some days I have to put the car in neutral and take a break. So, you know, when I was riding, I'm like, you know, I constantly always talk about, yeah, I'm on a road, I'm on a road, I'm on a road. And on a road is a car and a car has an engine. A car has mirrors to look behind you. It has gas that you have to put in it to keep it moving. And I thought, how is everything that I've been through as Mr. TSU and at TSU relates to a car? And I realized it was perfect. I'm like, you know, from the moment I came here, I felt empty when I was crying in my bedroom to, you know, at the end of my collegiate experience, you know, I'm still driving, but I'm eventually, I'm about to crash and I just don't know it yet. And I just constantly relate to the obstacles. And in the end, my favorite part is how I'm literally saying like, you know, whoever's following reading, you're eventually going to pass me. And, you know, and when you do, I'm going to just hunt my horn, like keep going. Like, so that's really how my chapter is. It's just a, it's talking about the road. They need to give you another chapter. I'm telling you, like, listen, we need, <laughs> we need more. Okay. Like, cause you gave the car analogy. I'm seeing it. Like, yeah, these going to honk your horn. Like, I'm not going to be mad. All right. I'm, I'm just going to wave and hop on. But I like that. That's community. We love to see it. Listen, we need, you need, you need to do another book. You need to be in the third edition. Cause the third edition going to come. Third edition with Mark T. Davis Jr. is in it. All right. Listen, Mark, this was a fun interview. You said a lot of amazing things, and I'm proud of you, just what you're doing. Like, I got a chance to, to see your reign and, and, and cover your reign, like the student leader spotlight at CBM, Mr. HBCU. So I'm definitely proud of everything that you're doing. And before we go, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and also how we can support you. All right, so um, my Instagram is the Mark Davis Jr. Um, I don't really post on Twitter. So uh, Instagram is the main thing. And how y'all can support me is, of course, you know, buying the book when it releases, reading not just my chapter, but every other King's chapter. And another thing that you can do, you know, you can reach out to every university that is lacking a King, that don't have a King. Southern does not have a King. And, you know, let them know how important it is that we get Kings at every HBCU because everybody needs to have somebody they can look up to and say, I see myself in them. So, that's how, that's supporting me. You know, I'm glad TSU has 33 Kings currently and 94 missed TSUs. That is a big gap. So if we can help close that gap at other HBCUs and institutions, that's what you guys can do to support me. Like what you hear? Uh, yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to HBCU, HBCU Pulse, Pulse Radio. Radio.